This week on Double-Edged Sword, cutting to the heart of a deceptive culture, Father Joshua Wirth talks about dangers of Freemasonry. Where did Freemasonry originate from? How is Freemasonry incompatible with Catholicism? Well, let's find out. Father Joshua Wirth is being interviewed by Divine Mercy Radio's on-air host, Kelly Roper. And I am so excited that Father Joshua Wirth is going to be here talking about dangers of Freemasonry. Hello, so good to have you here. Let me turn on your mic. Let's see, mic three. All right, so, got me on there. Yeah, good. excellent. So um, we know that all good things begin with prayer. So would you start us off in a prayer? Sure. In the name of the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Dear Lord, we ask for your blessing protection upon our our people and listening areas, and, and we ask for uh, uh, especially uh, rain at this time of drought uh, that you send down your merciful rain upon us and our livestock and our, and our people and lands so that we may glorify your name. And we ask this through Christ our Lord, amen. Amen. The Son, Holy Spirit, amen. 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 All right, so let's go ahead and, and um, give your introduction. Father Josh, Joshua Wirth, a native of <clears throat> Shoenchen. Say it. Say it for me because I'm going to butcher it. Shenchen. Shenchen. Yeah. Shenchen? Yep. Okay. Shenchen was ordained. I got to brush up on German, don't I? I, I know. Shenchen was ordained a priest in 2009 by Bishop Paul Coakley at Sacred Heart Cathedral in Salina. He is currently the pastor of St. Bernard Parish in Ellsworth and St. Ignatius Loyola Parish in Canopolis. Father Joshua also serves as the chaplain to the Ellsworth Correctional Facility in Ellsworth, as well as being the co-vocations director for the Diocese of Salina. Yep. All you do is sit around all day long, I'm sure. I got lots of titles and hats, (laughs) yeah. You got a lot going on, a lot going on. So thank you for being here. Mm. Let's talk about free masonry. Okay, good. Yeah, thanks for having me. I've been trying to uh, compile this because another another title I have for diocese, as everybody knows from my other shows, is uh, is uh, assistant to the exorcist. So Mm. uh, a lot of what I've been running into around our, our area. Maybe it's all over the country. I don't know. But for some reason, there, there seems to be a lot around our area of a history and people's family of Freemasonry. So uh, Freemasonry is what we would call a secret society that has been uh, condemned by the uh, Catholic Church. Not once, not twice, not thrice, but maybe I'm counting 53 times. Wow. <laughs> okay, so wow. Yeah. There's no getting around it. Yeah. There's no getting around it. Oh, yeah, that's, that's um, a big deal, right? Can you think yeah, of anything else no, that they've done no. 53 times, right? No, no. It's, yeah. uh, it, it's, you can't, uh, you, maybe you can dismiss, you know, 10 or 12 times. But, you know, when you, when you start breaking that two dozen mark, then it's, the church is trying to warn us away something. So um, Freemasonry uh, is not compatible with the, with the Catholic faith is what the church is trying to teach us. And, and the, the quick uh, history of Freemasonry is, of course, it started out as guilds of actual stonemasons around the 1500s, maybe, that they start putting guilds together. And then uh, around 1517, with the uh, Protestant uh, Reformation, revolution that was going on, rebellion that was going on, that um, nobody was building churches because nobody knew, okay, is my king going to go this way or my king going to go that way? So everybody stopped building these big these big uh, churches, 
And so they started, well, what are we going to, what are we, you know, are we just going to disband? And so they start bringing in non-Masons, non-stone Masons to come into their guild. And it started taking on its own, own nature. But it wasn't until um, around 1717, so that's funny, uh, the, the, Protestant Revolution is usually marked at 1517, and then 200 years later, 1770, is the first official Grand Lodge of London is, is created. Okay. But there's probably, there's probably uh, temples and lodges before that, but this is the official um, uh, one. So that's about as far back as we could trace it, is around 1517. Uh, they tried, in their own literature, they try to say they go back to Knights Templar, that they go back to all the way to Solomon's Temple, and, you know, in the Old Testament. Um, but the farthest we can find, historians can find, is probably 1517 when it started. These guilds started taking on a new, new thing. So when they were trying to come up with what are they, if they're not stonemasons, what are they? They started taking on these different elements of what we would call a mystery, wisdom, um, architect, or we'd say cult, right? So a wisdom, mystery, cult aspect to it. And I, I was just going through, uh, what was it, the free stuff on Amazon Prime the other day, and I saw this uh, documentary produced by the Freemasons showing them what they are. And, and so I was like, well, what, what, are they, what do they say they are? And they consider themselves to be a a kind of wisdom literature uh, um, group, fraternity, that they're just trying to make better men through these uh, mystery plays. So a lot of times, though, at the different levels, there's 33 in the Scottish Rite, 33 degrees, they will have different mystery plays, and they try to show, like, the King's Guard, and people act out different things of Solomon's Temple, and try to have these ethical morality plays that play out in there. Problem is, it's all secret. People aren't supposed to talk about it or know about it outside of there. So if it's really wisdom and really enlightenment that they're trying to share, then what's with all the secrets, you know? Mm -hmm. And they said in the documentary, well, we think people are sharing too much. We need more secrets in society. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so they, they say, we're not a secret society. We're just a society with secrets. Yeah. And maybe more people should have secrets. But yeah. um, as Catholics, we believe that uh, the truth is revealed, right? So there shouldn't be any wisdom or, or hidden morality uh, in these plays that nobody else can see and nobody else can experience. Yeah. And then they tried to add kind of a divinely inspired that has kind of some um, divine revelation in these plays, which of course, well, if it's divine revelation, then why why not share it with the world, you know, type of thing. And, yeah. and so what ends up happening is a lot of mysticism and occultism and, and different grandmasters doing different things with it. And some grandmasters disagreeing with other ones and breaking away and starting their own. So there's there's probably in the hundreds now of different free Freemason groups out there under different titles and different names. And it's often say, no, we don't believe that. But, you know, if you mention something from one, one temple's handbook, but uh, they all come from that same core group of we're handing on this wisdom, we're handing on these mysteries, but they're all hidden, they're all secret. And in the church, we call that the heresy of Gnosticism. It starts with a silent G. Gnosticism, that um, there's some hidden knowledge and some divine truths that God can't reveal to everybody at the same time. So he keeps them in these little secret societies and, and secret hidden knowledge. And, and, uh, and of course, we believe as Catholics that, uh, you know, 
God doesn't hide anything. In fact, nothing, nothing in the, no rites or rituals in the Catholic Church are hidden. Yeah. In fact, even exorcism, there's an app for that now. So if I do an app, which is available to anybody, but only a priest should do the uh, major exorcism and minor exorcism prayers. But uh, there's an app that I use. I download off the off the web, you know, the store, the app store, yeah. and it's right then and there. And some priests were like, said, hey, "Should this be on there? Should we like tell people not to do it?" I was like, "It's out there. We we don't have any secret rites in in the church. Even exorcism, yeah. it uh, can be found. Even you know, Knights of Columbus. You know, we're told in Knights of Columbus initiations that if you are if you are uh, uh, questioned by your pastor or bishop or or uh, uh, law enforcement that you need to reveal what happened in in, in the meeting, right? Mm-hmm. So we're just trying to have a, a group meeting, but we're not trying to take over the world with some secret plan. So we need to yeah. we need to tell people if some author, you know if some crime was happened or or they have suspicion that something happened or something that we're afraid of, we we need to um, bring that to our pastor, or bishop, or law enforcement. So we're not. Yeah. We're not trying to keep any of that secret. Not not a secret society in the Knights of Columbus. No, no. Okay, all right. I, I'll sleep better tonight yeah, knowing that, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, and, and I, I have heard before people who, who question that. Well, we've got this, you know, we've mm-hmm. got this, you know. Kind yeah. of silly, you know. Yeah, and you can find all the rituals and, and, and things of the Knights of Columbus on the Internet uh, brought to you by the Knights of Columbus and, yeah. and the different church because we're – uh, different aspects of church because we're we're not trying to say there's some kind of hidden knowledge that only only uh, uh, Knights of Columbus are revealed to you know God only revealed it to the, some, certain Knights of Columbus or anything like that. Right, right. But that's what the Freemasons are doing. So what they um, also in that documentary I was surprised they try to show themselves as what did uh, one of their founders say you know religion for for all men basically. And so they kind of want to say they're a religion above all other religions. Mm. Not that they're putting it down. They would say, you can be a Catholic, you can be a Christian, you can be Muslim, you can be Hindu or whatever. They say, we're trying to bring in all the different uh, truths and wisdom of these different traditions and take them all as kind of strands to a rope and and make a really strong rope with all these different strands of wisdom and truth found in these traditions. So they'll have the Bible there for many of their their ceremonies and things laying open, but also they'll have the Quran there. They have the, what is it, the Haji Megita on the uh, uh, Hindu, you know, all the holy books uh, yeah. of the different religions. They'll have them all there and yeah. say, we're, we're taking all the strands of truth and we're making this really nice rope that, that all men can fall under this um, umbrella now of one religion of uh, Freemasonry. Yeah. And, um, well, Catholic Church has a problem with that because <clears throat> if you say that uh, all things are true, it's a it's kind of another way of saying nothing is true, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You remember that uh, the movie Incredibles when and when they actually had a good uh, a more uh, morality type of stuff in that they would say if everybody's special, then really nobody's special, right? Yeah. So if every religion is true, then really none of them are true, mm-hmm. right? And um, so it's exact. You, you can't fall off the, the beam that way, just like you can't say, well, there is no truth, right? That's kind of Pontius Pilate. What is truth? Basically is saying, who can find it? How could you ever know? There is no truth, therefore. So you can't fall it off that way. You also can't fall off the other way by saying everything is truth, right? Yeah. So instead, 
We believe in Catholic Church there is only one revealed truth highlighted in Christ, and then he founded the church, Catholic Church. And so there's one faith, one church, one baptism, yeah. right? One, one Lord and Savior, Jesus. And uh, the Freemasons wouldn't believe that. They'd say, you can hold that privately, but as a group, we're going to try to kind of dissuade you of that, that um, really you, you need to recognize that you know that that God is real over in that religion. That God is real over this one, and they're all. So you have to believe in God. It's kind of interesting. You have to believe in God to be a Freemason, right? So they're not atheists, but it's kind of like a, a, a little G. In fact, sometimes their symbol is the compass, like the geometry compass that we use to make little circles. You know, yeah, and with a G in there. And some people say that means. The grand architect, some people say it means geometry, some people say it means God, but whatever their idea of God is, you know, kind of like a small g, which is basically, uh, they would say, just all truth combined into one, one truth is, is God. Mm. And um, again, that would mean that if everything is true, then nothing is true. We only know of one revealed truth, and that is uh, highlighting the person, uh, divine person of Jesus, mm-hmm. who then founded the church and continues to pour out and sustain his truth and his teaching through the inspiration of Holy Spirit mm-hmm. and, and handed down from the apostles to the bishops and, and the popes following, following after them. Yeah. Yeah, wonderful. We are talking with um, with Father Joshua Worth. So let's go ahead and talk about Freemasonry some more. This okay. is very, very interesting. Yeah, so um, there was some confusion in 1983 when we came out with the new uh, Code of Canon Law because the old one specifically said that if any Catholic would become Freemason that they're excommunicated. And because it's a parallel rival religion, in fact, it's a very anti-Catholic religion. A lot of a lot of temples, Freemason temples, were built as close as they could get to the Catholic Church, yeah. so that they can uh, oppose any work they're doing. In fact, in Salina, our, where our cathedral's at, just a couple blocks down, is this big two-story uh, Freemason temple that was built there. They since sold it as a senior citizen center, and I can tell about some of the ghost stories I've heard about that place oh my. because uh, because of the names that they invoke and stuff. So, And then at the 30th degree of the Scottish Rite, again, this you'll find exceptions to this, but uh, the 30th degree of the Scottish Rite, um, the mason is presented with a skull wearing a papal tiara and told it represents the tiara of the cruel and cowardly pontiff as therefore the crown of the imposter and at one point in the ritual, a senior mason stabs the skull with a dagger while the candidate yells, down with the imposter, down with crime, before stamping on it. All right? So they're very anti-Catholic, anti-papacy. Uh, and, uh, but then in the 1983 code, the churches said uh, it didn't want to get specific with different, different names of different groups because at that point there were so many anti-Catholic groups. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ku Klux Klan is was founded on on uh, opposing blacks and Jews and Catholics in the public uh, spaces. And and they're, they're, many of their leaders were uh, Freemasons as well, so they got a lot of their anti-Catholic bigotry from the Freemasons. Where, what was that again? I'm sorry. The, the Ku Klux Klan. The Ku Klux Klan. Yeah. There you go. They would often march past, like in Chicago, they'd march past uh, um, 
uh, Holy Name Cathedral in order to intimidate uh, the Catholics that were going to Mass at that time. Mm-hmm. And uh, and also, so and then 1983, it, uh, the Code of Canon Law just said, you know, that Catholics are not allowed to belong to any secret societies that are opposed to church uh, teachings or opposed to the church's work. And since it didn't mention the name of Freemasons, a lot of people thought, oh, things changed, yeah. right? Vatican II maybe changed something, right? Yeah. And so you saw even priests and bishops joining Freemason lodges all of a sudden. Yeah. But uh, uh, Cardinal Ratzinger, later Pope Benedict, but at that time Cardinal Ratzinger had to come out with a, uh, a statement saying that, um, no, it, it still stands that Catholics cannot be, cannot be Freemasons. And instead of saying excommunicated that uh, they're in grave sin and that they're not to receive communion until they, they leave that and go, and go to confession. Yeah. So um, that hopefully cleared up, but there was a lot of confusion for a while if that was allowed for, for Catholics. But so, so what is the draw that even even priests and, and yeah. you know, what, what's the draw to it? We've got well, Knights of Columbus. Why? Yeah. Why? The big, uh, you know, it was really big. The biggest um, the Freemasons got was, I think, five million in America. Or no, was it? Yeah, I think five million in America in 1958. And the big draw is mostly fraternity. But, I mean, used to be back before the day, before Social Security, before Medicaid, Medicare, you needed to belong to some group in case you injure yourself mm-hmm. so that somebody would take care of your family. Mm-hmm. So um, that, that was, of course, a big draw. You, a lot of people belonged to women's groups or men's groups or fraternities or whatever it may be. And, um, but then also on top of this, there was this idea that, oh, this is also this the, kind of the creme de la creme of, of, of fraternities where not only are we going to take care of you, but also... We'll, we'll learn secret handshakes, we'll learn secret names, and we'll identify each other in public, and we'll really help each other out, and I'll cover for you, and you cover for me, and, and we'll watch out for each other. And, you know, there was, like, even a promise that I'm not going to violate your any women that are in your family, and you promise not to violate any women in my family. Now, it didn't talk about anybody else. You know, everybody else was kind of free game. But it was just this, uh, you know, in some ways— um, that's why they look towards like the Knights Templar, you know, um, to as a kind of a model. It's like, where can we have this fraternity that's all focused on one mission, and we're all protecting each other and watching out for each other, kind of a brothers in arms type of thing. But we're not, we're not in the military, right? And so, especially for men, there, there's a big draw for that. Uh, and if you don't have internet, you don't have TV, you don't have, uh, you know, televised sports games or anything like that. It's like, what am I going to do with my, my evening that's, you know, free once a month or something? Well, I want to belong to this, this men's group. So that was, the big, that was the big pull that a lot of uh, – that why I reached its height. And um, it's been dwindling. It's down to like 1.4 million, I think, in, in America now. Um, so – but it's been dwindling because uh, – and which is good that, that a lot of the Freemasons don't know their own – anti-Catholic history. They don't understand why it was created. And, uh, and they, they don't agree with, if they did find out about some, some of these degrees they never get to. Yeah. So they don't understand. Because yeah. they keep it secret even from yeah. their own members. They yeah. keep it secret from their own members. So many places they're just blue lodges with just only go up to three degrees. Yeah. So they don't have these 
plays. They don't have these different things in there. And um, so it's – it's. Uh, but the problem is <coughs> – excuse me. The problem is that there's a um, – even at the three degrees, there's uh, three death curses that they put on themselves. And so that's why no nobody should do it, all right? Not even – even if you're not Catholic, you shouldn't do it. And how do they not recognize that? Yeah, well, they're not told ahead of time. And so they're – they're intimidated. They've been told a lot of good things and things of that nature, and then they're they're blindfolded. They're brought in there. They're told, you know, they're sometimes put a dagger to the, to their chest, as if like if they give the wrong answer, that maybe they, you know, they'll say it's ceremonial, it's all just for dramatic effect and everything like that. But um, it's kind of one of those things. Once you're in in the initiation process and nobody warned you what it's going to be like, then you're really afraid to say the wrong thing. Wow. Because you know what are what are the threats? You know, so at a certain point, they take three death curses that I'm going to protect the the uh, secrets of the lodge. And if I would ever betray the secrets of the lodge, may my tongue be torn out. And and another thing that's put around there uh, for initiation is a noose is put around their neck. You know, and may I be hung, and and may I be th- uh, my my throat be cut. May my stomach be opened up and my innards fall out. And then they invoke names that sound biblical, but they're not names of, of uh, the three archangels that we know of, right? So they'll say that they're, they're names of angels that were not revealed to, in Scripture, but you need to invoke these angels. But as Exodus have found out, they're not the names of the three archangels that we know. They're not guardian angels that we know of. So therefore, who's, enfo- who's enforcing who's enforcing these death curses? And it's it's uh, demons that are enforcing these death curses. So we find that when when uh, so they think they're they're doing it against physical. Like, oh, I need to take this, and if uh, if I don't follow it, then somebody in the in the lodge might come kill me. They say, again, they say it's for dramatic effect. But what usually happens is somebody leaves the lodge and they start telling the secrets, uh, and all of a sudden it feels like they got a pain, pain in their tongue or something, and it feels like it's being ripped out, right? Or it feels like they're being choked, like that, that noose that was around their neck. It feels like they're being choked, or it feels like they have a stomach pain. It feels like their guts are about ready to come out. And so... Who's enforcing that? Obviously not God. Obviously not the the good angels. Obviously that must be demons that they invoked at that different those different levels. So so that's all documented. Wow. Oh yeah. That's wow. Exorcists know know that that's going to happen, and yeah. so we when we uh, do a renunciation with somebody that was in Freemasonry, sometimes it takes forty five minutes because there's each each degree there's a curse invoking some kind of name, usually demonic name, and there's a curse at each degree. And so you have to renounce the curse. First, you got to pray that any retaliation be blocked by, by St. Michael and the holy angels. And, that, and as they renounce it, it can get very difficult towards the end when they get to those different degrees um, because they start feeling the effects of, of some of the things that they they. Made, made a death curse, yeah, yeah, that they handed over yeah. to demonic forces 
I give you control over my eyes, I give you control, you know, whatever they might have done and invoke that, invoke that name when they did that. Wow, wow. And, you know, often not even knowing what they're doing. No, no. Yeah, yeah, wow. A lot of times it's done all in one day nowadays. You know, they just say, just read this. Well, what does it mean? Oh, it's just, it's just for drama. It's just for effect. You know, it's just for fun. For, for fun. And so they don't get to look at it ahead of time. They don't get to read it ahead of time. They're just saying it the same time they're reading it for the first time. They're also saying it out loud. And so they're just like, wait, what? You know, but they're a little intimidated because all the brothers are around them and everybody else has done it and they seem to be fine. And, and why, you know, are you afraid? Are you, you think, you know, that this, all this stuff is real and stuff like that. Um, but uh, we find that, yeah, it's very difficult for them to renunciate that, that stuff. Wow. I, I'm telling you, I'm sitting here praying Hail Mary's just hearing <laughs> you say it. I'm telling yeah. you. I am sitting here. I'm serious. I'm sitting here because it just, it just makes me really nervous to even think right. about something like that. I really just, you know, my husband, there's a, a Freemason Lodge close to, kind of close to where we live. Every time we drive by there, he says, uh, Mary conceived with out sin pray for those who have recourse to thee mm-hmm. and pray for those who do not have recourse to thee especially the freemasons he says that every time we, we go who by said, who says that my husband i don't know where it came from i think it came from saint maximilian colby because he started a group called the macalada militia and just to just to oppose freemasons yeah. and he he said that prayer that um that mary yeah. um those that don't have recourse to thee may they have recourse to thee and especially Freemasons, yeah. And um, he said that should be an intention, you know, for one of the beads on every rosary. Wow. So, so to bring uh, Freemasons out of, out of out of Freemasonry. Wow. Um, because it was that he saw the effects too. You know, he saw the effects too. I mean, there was a lot of occultism and, and Nazism as well, and communism. Um, when you start getting these false gods and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, you you start um, it all kind of leads back to one of these mystery schools that of Gnosticism that oh we found the truth you know we found this and it's revealed to us only yeah. you know it was revealed to Hitler it was revealed to Stalin it was revealed to Marx or whatever and he's got the wisdom and you, we all need to be disciples of him right yeah. and um, it, you know you can find that thread through through all the Protestant rebels you know rebellions too it's like no Luther was given that. The wisdom, or Zwingli was given, or Calvin was given, or the Wesley brothers were given, or Joseph Smith. You know, I was listening, I've been listening to a lot of uh, former Mormons, and um, even though Mormons condemn their members being Freemasons, most of their temple worship was lifted straight out of the Freemason. Yeah. In fact, until the early 90s, they had to take the three death curses in, in the Mormon temple. Wow. And their undergarments, they have, they have supposedly uh, holy undergarments in, in the Mormon faith, and they have Masonic symbols and letters on them that Joseph Smith uh, just lifted straight from Freemason group that he, was, he belonged to as well. Wow, 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 wow. We need to take a short break right now, but don't change that dial. Danger of Freemasonry with Father Joshua Wirth will be right back here on Divine Mercy Radio.
back on Double-Edged Sword, cutting to the heart of a deceptive culture. Dangers of Freemasonry. Father Joshua Wirth. Kelly Roper conducts the interview. Um, we are talking with Father Joshua Wirth. I, you know, I'm blown away. I guess I, you know, I always knew we weren't supposed to be Freemasons. I yeah. always knew that St. Maximilian Colby preached against it. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize the extent, you know, yeah. of, of those death wishes and mm-hmm. and things like that. Never, never expected well, that. I need to tell this story real quick because this is the main reason I came on. But okay, buckle up. So all right, <laughs> buckle up. Here gets, we go. Gets worse. I've only really brought two people out of uh, Freemasonry, and um, the. The scary one, that, or the one I get a lot of calls about, is this idea of um, family mate, family that was in Freemasonry. So this lady that contacted me, she was never in Freemasonry and one of the woman chapters, but her her grandfather, I believe, was a, uh, a Grand Mason, 33-degree uh, Grand Mason, and, um, and, and she was reporting to me that she was um, – uh, experiencing what we'd call kind of extraordinary attacks, that she was seeing things, she was hearing things. You know, she'd just be cutting. She had a lot, a lot of children, and and um, she'd just be cutting some, uh, you know, food for dinner, and all of a sudden, just image of um, would just flash into our mind of of cutting herself, or this image would just flash in mind of hurting our kids or something like that. And she was like, "Where is that coming from? I'm not." I don't want desire that or want that. Where are these images flashing from? And uh, I asked her, well, when did it start? And she said, well, it started when uh, I had a dream. And usually I discount dreams because you just have no idea what, what's going on. But she had a dream that her grandfather, who was the Grand Mason, that he came to her and said, I'm sorry. That's all he said in this dream. And she said, well, I don't know what you're sorry for, but I forgive you, right? And he just continued to say that, I'm sorry. So that was the dream. Mm-hmm. And um, and I was like, I don't know. I mean, you weren't in Freemasonry, but I, I was pretty new to learning some of that stuff. So I saved it for, I mean, and she was cons- constantly calling me all the time. Poor things, you know. She was just, she's usually shy, but she was just so, every time she had one of these things, she was calling me all the time. And I said, you know, I don't know the answer. I'm going to exorcism conference pretty soon. I'll ask ask some people, but you have to be patient. I know this is scary, but you have to be patient. And and she's just calling me constantly. So I went to Exorcism Conference. And I asked some uh, some people that were experts on it, and they said, yeah, it's really not fair, but the Freemasons found a way where they can take the curse themselves, but the effect of it will not fall on them. It will fall on their children or their, or their grandchildren or, or maybe even their born uh, great grandchildren, so it has to be a living, a living uh, descendant. Wow! And um, and I think they have to be alive after they, because I think, and they don't even they don't even know that they're doing it. There's like they'll invoke one of those names, and they'll say, "May whatever's blessing be upon my great grandchild that was just born and baptized or whatever." Wow! So it has to be like after baptism um, that they're alive and that they would and do that at the lodge or whatever. So it's basically that effects falling because they have authority over the whole family. And, uh, you know, I, I said, well, that is really unfair, but, you know, the devil doesn't play fair, right? So I went and talked 
to her, and there's and I had her go through the thirty three renunciation that her her grandfather, even though she never took it, but she really struggled with the last couple ones, and finally with some prayer and some encouragement, she was able to break through and and I thought, okay, man, I hope this works because she's calling me all the time, <laughs> <laughs> and um and she's and she never called me again. She never called me again. So in my mind, wow, that's the best. That's the you know. And she was practicing Catholic and everything like that. So um. So it wasn't it wasn't that she wasn't going to church or anything like that. It was just this this barrier, uh, that was placed there. So a lot of people hear me say that story, and of course, oh man, I I get weird things sometimes. I get you know, and so what do I do, Father? Can you? So I want um. So you have to go to YouTube and and type in uh, St. Michael Center Freemason Renunciations, okay? And um, you'll find a video from Monsignor Rossetti. Mm. He's an exorcist. He's, he's published books, and, and he's out of Washington, D.C., so he runs the St. Michael Center. And um, so he'll, he'll walk you through on this video— He'll walk you through the, the renunciations, okay? So you can do this if you're having weird visions or weird things happen, or you're not, you know. Yeah. But if you're just, you have that in your family tree and you want uh, to get rid of whatever connections might have been there. And again, it's not that your grandparents hated you or anything like that. It's that they, if they were in that group, they were told, oh, do this blessing over their picture or over their you know, just thinking about them, you know, while they're in the lodge over, I want so-and-so's blessing, but they evoked some name that wasn't God and wasn't, it wasn't uh, an angel or anything like that. And they invoked some blessing and over their children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, it has to be a living, usually after baptism, after the person's been baptized, uh, the child's been baptized. So, um, so go to that YouTube video, follow along with those renunciations and then Monsignor uh, Rossetti on on the video will do the final prayer and, and blessing and break that connection if there's anything there so that's the biggest message I wanted to get across is I was like man am I gonna have to do this with everybody because yeah. <laughs> there's a lot there's a lot of people that have Freemasons in their family tree yeah. and uh, and so I'm so thankful for Monsignor Rossetti that he he did that and, and made that video yeah. That people can access and and do that um, renunciations with them and mm-hmm. so uh, and then once I did that with her, again no phone calls. She never wow. she never complained again about wow. about those weird things popping in her head. Wow, you know it, it's interesting that you bring up Monsignor Rossetti because I had never heard of him until just oh I don't know six months ago or so. Okay. There's a friend at my parish. I've known him for for forever. And a lot of his children have left the church. Mm. And he started doing this monthly online prayer session yeah, with Monsignor Rossetti. Yeah. Like six of them came back to the church really? at the wow. Easter vigil. I mean, wow. hadn't been confirmed, came back mm-hmm. into the church, brought their wives, brought their babies. It was yeah. amazing. And he says it's because he's been, he'd has been he been praying it over a year. And uh, he really well, a lot of it. Well, a lot that. of it was the thought. I mean, that's such a powerful uh force yeah. the father praying over so even if he wasn't doing the specific prayers with with you know my dad was i'd come home from parties at two or three in the morning and he's praying the rosary yeah. right yeah 
<laughs> and and he's waiting up for me. You know, yeah. I didn't get a scolding. I didn't get a talking to, yeah. but it just was kind of a dagger in my heart yeah. that I'm out there doing wrong, and he's at the same time praying. trying to make up for it mm-hmm. by by praying for me and stuff like that. So it was a, it was a huge it was a huge uh, um, influence mm-hmm. in, my, in my life, but. And those prayers just had a, a great effect as well. So Yeah, yeah, wonderful. Father, what was it? You know, you said you went to an exorcist, uh, like a conference. conference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What was it that that inspired you to, to want to be an exorcist? Uh, uh, no, no. No, that's not, how it's it not the way it works. That's not how the way okay. it works, no, no. Okay, so tell me how it does work. Uh, well... I, I don't know if you ever heard my vocation story, but my, my mom left when I was 16 and, wow. and uh, met a guy on the Internet, and he was into witchcraft, and so she got into witchcraft. Oh, yeah. So she was doing the same. Again, we're not – I don't want to ever, like, say that uh, we're condemning or any of these uh, Freemasons or, or anybody in the occult or anything like that. A lot of times they think they're helping. Yeah. A lot of times they think they're helping, and that's what the devil – the devil really tricks people is, you know, you know so my mom – in witchcraft, what would she, she know? Oh, she had invoked different names or whatever, different non, non-Christian names, you know, not angels, not God, you know, but send healing over my son. Oh, he's got a test coming up. Like do that, you know, she would do these things and, and cast these spells and stuff, yeah. but they're not, from, they're not from God, right? Yeah. So who's powering it? Well, yeah. obviously it's one of the fallen, fallen angels. It's one of the demons. So um, so I had a minor exorcism in, in – uh, I had a blockage in seminary where it's just like no matter how many times I went to mass every day and pray and stuff like that, there was just like some blocks, right? Yeah. It wasn't extraordinary where I was seeing things or hearing things and, you know, no demons took over my body or anything like that, but like just spiritual blockage and stuff like that. And um, and so I had a minor exorcism in uh, at what they call IPF, Institute of Priestly Formation, Mon- um, Monsignor Essif. Uh, maybe some people know that name. He's he's sometimes interviewed, but he's an exorcist, and, and he did a minor, what's called a minor exorcism over me. And um, and I think I told so then so then all the bishops around around uh, 2010 or so, they all got scared witless by um, one of the USACB conferences. Uh, uh, they had a private session with. That was the right time where Be- Pope Benedict was saying every diocese needs to have an exorcist. Mm-hmm. And so these exes came to that conference, that the bishop conference said, every, here's some s- stories that scare you, all right, why you need an exorcist in your diocese. And then Bishop Coley came back and he asked, uh, he asked a priest to be an exorcist. And I think I had, must have had a conversation with that priest at some point, or maybe you just heard my story because I think I said it on the radio one time. And, um, and he, so he's like, because sometimes it's just, it was fell so out of practice that the older priests were just like, I went my whole, and I, it's understandable. I went my whole priesthood. I never had to do that. Yeah. So why would I go to an exorcism conference? Right. And it's like, but I benefited from it. I knew, I knew the benefits of it. I, I knew that it's real now. Yeah. Like people, you know, back in the nineties, this was in the nineties that my mom was into witchcraft. Everybody's like, Wicca. Yeah. What the heck is that? You know, yeah. Yeah. I'm looking it up like, I've never heard of this. Yeah. You know. And but now it's so out and open, and they had what Satan Con in Boston or something like that, Massachusetts. Or something this like. weekend, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's so out in the open now. Yeah. But so this priest knew that my story, that I would get it, that yeah. I actually benefited from it, and so he started inviting me uh, to those, and and I'm just happy to 
bring you know if people use Ouija boards or psychics or anything like that to uh, you know to help them uh, uh, get out of any of that stuff. So yeah, excellent. Because I want to make sure that we're getting the information from Fra- Father Joshua Worth. Mm-hmm. A fascinating topic. You'll you'll have to for sure come back again. You know we we heard about that uh, Boston conference earlier in the week oh, okay. and um, yeah, it's just. Yeah, it's just the devil's out in the open now, and yeah. and um, every pre like I've I've been pushing, we're gonna try to invite a uh, a trainer of exorcists to uh, he's actually a layperson, but he's on we we play him on the radio now here. Adam Bly is his name. We're gonna try to get him out to um, uh, train the priests, just give all the priests and dioceses some some small level of how to discern and how to screen out what is what is an ordinary attack of the devil, which is temptation, which we all we all get that you know. And what is extraordinary attack, which would be the visions and the hearing things and seeing things and uh, strange things happening, you know, strange scratches that appear out of nowhere or something like that. But that's usually only attached to some kind of occult uh, connection somehow to witchcraft or, or Ouija boards or psychics or something like that. But yeah. so, so um, how do we protect ourselves? You know, I, I'm sure mm. there's some people here that are going, wow, right, you know, wow. You yeah. know, they've, they've had some of this in their background i you know as a kid you know mm-hmm. i didn't know any better we had you know yeah. the the you know what is it the the light is a feather mm-hmm. kind of thing yeah. you know and and stuff like that and i think wow you know has that had some kind of an effect you know yeah um what what should we be doing yeah i always say i don't know at the end of time it'll be interesting to see what what was a chemical imbalance what was the devil scratching at you what was your own personal yeah. hang-ups and stuff like that uh, and uh, but the ultimate thing is just being in a state of grace. You know, so if we find out, you know, I had somebody come to me and oh, I'm just so afraid that the Ouija board. I mean, they were, they retired. They retired from uh, their job, and they were like, I'm so afraid that that, you know, when you t- father, when you talk about all this stuff, it just always reminds me at 13 I did a Ouija board and it spooked me out, and I hate hearing you talk about that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm like, well, that seems like an irrational fear. Did you ever confess that? Mm. And and you know they're in their sixties. Yeah. No, I never did. Well, why don't we confess that right now? Mm. And so get rid mm. of that. Okay, yeah. get good, rid of that fear. Yeah. So as we f- hear those things that we find out, oh man, you know I was part of this or I was a part of that or or I did some some blood brothers thing and we swapped blood or spit or something like that. Yeah. You know that. Um, wait a minute, that's the is that approved devotion of the church? You know, yeah. <laughs> doing something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, did a saint ever do that? Did, did uh, you know, God ever tell, tell us we can do something like that? Yeah. Well, then who was powering it? Who was powering that if it wasn't God and it wasn't the angels and it wasn't the saints, right? Yeah. So um, so just as we discover those things, you know, I used to look at, just for fun, you look at the horoscopes and stuff like that. I thought it was a joke, and I thought everybody that read it was a, thought it was a joke. Yeah. And then you find out people think it's real, right? And you're like, yeah. oh. Well, I just want to just be sure, you know, I read it. And sometimes if it would say hop on one foot, I would hop on one foot that one day just to see if anything would happen, you know. Yeah. So, um, uh, but I just want to confess that, that the church, you know, church never said that that was okay to do that, things mm-hmm. like that, that nature. So, so just making sure that as we discover those things about that, uh, you know, that we're, we're handing that over to the church. We're handing it over to God. We're pouring that into His wounds, letting letting Him forgive it. Because because um, what the devil absolutely hates is us being in a state of grace. Because it's they're allergic to grace. 
So when we pray, you know, I have a prisoner. He was saying, oh, he's in the cell that a former Satanist used to be in. So said all kinds of incantations. They're allowed to have masking tape and make a pentagram and summon things in there because that's a recognized religion, quote, unquote, you know, Satanism. And, and, uh, and he's like, what am I, you know, he, I can't move. I can't move. I'm in a prison cell. And, but they, I get waking up by weird things, weird sounds at 3 in the morning or something. I said, well, the devil's allowed to spook you, all right? He's, he's a powerful angel, and we should be thankful that the, the Lord has limited his power to access to us. He's only allowed to spook us, okay? Yeah. And so he's allowed to spook you, but what happens if you, every time he spooks you, try to see which way you go, are you going to use that opportunity to wake up? Are you going to sin and cuss and, and, and get mad at God for waking up, you know? Or are you going to pray the rosary? Well, I'm up. I'm going to pray the rosary, all right? Well, then that's like punching the devil in the face every time he spooks you. Yeah. So that, that demon is going to say that he's sending to wake you up, make that noise or whatever. He's going to say, I don't want to go because every time I go wake that guy up, he prays a rosary. It's just like Mary punching me in the face, all right? Yeah. And so I want to go bother somebody that's not going not yeah. to pray, that's yeah. going to cuss, that's going to get mad at everybody, irritated by everybody, and, and, and curse God that he woke up. You know, I want to go bother somebody like that. I don't want to. And so they, we have to turn up the temperature, basically, mm-hmm. and just surround ourselves with grace, and they go find somebody else. It's sad for that other person, but they go find somebody else to pick on that yeah. isn't surrounded by gra- God's grace. Yeah. And so it's, so it's so simple. It's just there's no special prayer. There's no special, you know, devotion that's going to just 100% protect you from the devil, okay? He's always going to be able to tempt us. He's always going to be able to spook us, right? But you can make it hurt <laughs> when, he, when he does yeah. by just whatever that thing is. As I always say, when in doubt, pray it out, all right? Yeah. He's never going to try to trick you into praying, okay? Yeah. He hates that. He's hoping that you're not going to pray. Yeah. But if every time he spooks you or, or tempts you and you just pray it out, then he's going to say, this, okay, he didn't run the way I was hoping he'd run. I'm going to go bother somebody else. So. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Oh, my gosh. I'm exhausted listening to that. Yeah. So right mm-hmm. now we want to get your your uh, blessing sure, to each sure. of us here mm-hmm. and out through the airwaves. And if you have a lo- last thought you'd like okay. to share. In the name of the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Dear Lord, we ask you to bless and protect all who are listening to us and everywhere that this message reaches. Bless and protect from all attacks and enemy, both physical and spiritual, and through the intercession of Blessed Mother, bring them closer to your Son. And may Almighty God bless all that's listening to this. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Right. Thanks for tuning in to Double-Edged Sword, cutting to the heart of a deceptive culture. If you're a business or service that can underwrite this Double-Edged Sword show, please know that your underwriting spot can run three times during the show, which runs five times a week. The cost for all five stations is a mere $250 per month. Interested? Call 785-621-4110. You're listening to the network of stations of Divine Mercy Radio. If today you hear his voice, harden not your heart.